Well, another year has come and gone, and there has been there have been movies. <laughs> cinemas that did there have yes. cinemas didn't die in 2020 or 2021 like all those snarky reports said they would. In fact, in certain ways, they've even thrived. We started off the year with the massive box office success that was Spider-Man: No Way Home, and then we're ending the year with the massive box office success that was Avatar: The Weight of Wonder. Wait, the way of water? It's, it's the weight of wonder. <laughs> I don't know. The way of water, sir. I don't way know. Of water. I'm not seeing that. I, movie. There's like a movie called The Weight of Water that's directed by Catherine Bigelow. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, it's that my video. There's a movie that you never seen. The map is in ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about 8 billion years It's time for death By video Time for death By video And now The show will begin Hey, I'm Kit. I'm Kit And I'm Graham Sigmund Welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem I screwed up my own name, it's Graham And uh, we're here tonight to talk about our top five favorite movies of the year. Normally we do top tens, but, you know, 2022 is still a weird year. So we're going to do our top five favorite films of the year, plus a bunch of first-time watches and maybe some runners-up as well. So before we get into it, guys, does anyone have any runners-up to their top five of the year that they want to quickly mention? Uh, runner-up uh, I really liked was uh, Pleasure, a oh. movie that you also I saw, really yeah. liked. Um, yeah, it was a great film. Yeah. I guess it would be a runner-up for me as well. Yeah, runner-up. Um, Anything else? I enjoyed The Northman. I haven't thought about it at all since I've watched it, but I enjoyed it when I watched it. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, that was a DBV outing that we had a good time watching, but it's not something that stuck with me since seeing it. But Yeah. I am looking forward to... Uh, it's Eggers, right? I'm looking forward to his... He's finally doing Nosferatu, so I'm looking right. forward to that. I forgot that he was doing that. Yeah. Kit, do you have any runners-up before we get into this? Uh, like like a few like as uh phil mentioned the northman uh that too that's one that may or may not improve on a rewatch you yeah know, it's like one of those mm-hmm. um pray the uh the one that didn't even they didn't even bother giving a theatrical release which they really should have yeah uh which would have been great on a I big still screen. haven't seen that film i gotta watch it before the year's out I, I think you'd like it yeah I, I thought it was pretty decent is that the predator movie it's yeah the uh predator with the, the indigenous people uh right. fight the predator yeah. Okay. It's funny. Shane Black and Fred Deckard were on the Mick Garris podcast not too long ago, and they were talking about how their The Predator movie was not received well and how Prey was received way better. And Shane Black just owned it. He's like, yeah, I didn't read the room right. I made a lot of mistakes on that movie, and clearly it's not what people wanted. And I'm like, oh, that's refreshing. <laughs> just to be like, yeah, so sometimes. Like a reactionary comment, yeah. Yeah, like he's just like, sometimes we, you miss the mark. And I'm like, I guess you did. Yeah, you're, it's going to happen in anyone's yeah. career. He's um, like, I had no idea people wanted like an almost Kubrickian take on the Predator film. I'd also mentioned Nope here, which was which was a fun fun day at the I movies. was going to say Nope. Yeah, it's a fun uh, one. Not one of my favorite I films forgot, of the year. I forgot about Nope. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it was fun, though. I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then a Top Gun Maverick. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick was fun as well. Yeah, good good time at the movies. I'm going back to Nope. It's nice seeing Michael Wincott back in the movies. Yes, that's cool. true. Yes. Um, Anything else, Kit? 
Uh, I'm still deciding between my my uh, my. Let's go with yeah. Elvis is another runner up. X mm-hmm. X as well. Um, okay, interesting. But also Elvis. Uh, hmm. Growing on me. Elvis has been growing on me. Yeah. Soundtrack is killer. Um, for my runners up of the year, um, Nope obviously is one of them. I would also say Kimmy, which I I only did include in this list because it didn't go theatrical, and I it's just my own personal rule. I believe movies are should be made to be seen in a movie theater. And if they're not, then as much as I like him, because I really liked Kimmy, which is Steven Soderbergh's, I, I truly feel that this, this is his real return to form after years of doing stuff like Un, Unsane and Logan Lucky and um, what was that other? He did a, a noir this year that was quite good, which I can't remember. No Sudden Move. Um, like I like those is films. he done with shooting on phones? Yeah, yeah, he's done. Okay. Yeah, I, I enjoyed those films, but like I feel like Kimmy was like probably his like true refer- return to form. Um, just great. Zoe Kravitz is great in it. The dude that plays Buzz from Home Alone is fun in it too. Um, it's good all the way around. Um, and then uh, The People's Joker. Uh, I It's a big runner-up for me. It almost made my top five, but I kind of want to wait until that actually gets released to... To include it in the best of list, but I, I really dug that film and what it was doing, what the filmmaker did. I, however, unfortunately, it looks like it will never be seen in the same way I saw it, so that's that's kind of a bummer. Um, then a couple, uh, a couple Korean, South Korean films actually. Um, Hunt, which I saw only a few weeks ago, which I loved to pieces. Like it's really, really good. Apparently, it's from the directorial debut from the lead actor from Squid Game, who I didn't see Squid Game and don't know who that guy is, but this movie rocked. I really, really dug it quite a bit. And then A Man of Reason which apparently starred, had the biggest star in all of Korea in it, which I didn't realize when I went to go to see it in a movie theater where he actually was there and people were going nuts. Uh, really dug both those films. Still have not yet seen Decision to Leave. Yeah, I wanted, I've, I've been wanting to watch that as well. Yeah, I definitely want to catch that one before the year's out. Um, and then uh, I'm also include Barbarian on that list. Uh, real fun movie. Me and Kit, you, we went to go see it. I really dug that film, thought it was a lot of fun. It reminded me of like, yes, this is what movies do better than, than television or other uh, formats. Um, and yeah, those are all my runner-ups. All right, so Phil, what is the first film? Not necessarily number one because I don't believe in ranking films. Although I do, I do have a clear favorite of the year. Okay. Um, so I'll save that until last. But what is the I'll first film on your on your top five list? I'll, I'll start with um, After Sun. It's a first film by I think her name's Charlotte Wells, and um, it it has a couple. The the young actress who plays like the protagonist, I guess the Charlotte Wells avatar is. Mm-hmm. She was fantastic, and Paul Mescal, who I'm not familiar with, but he's best known for the Normal People miniseries. He was okay. terrific as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just like a terrific low key coming of age drama. Nice. I, I've <laughs> yet to see it, but I've heard nothing but good stuff. Yeah, I I, I was very fond of it. Um, also, some very. Uh, inspired uh circa 1997 diegetic needle drops nice yeah cool all right kit what's the first on your list of top five? Oh, brother i messed up i actually included this in my runners up by mistake oh i, I miscounted what's okay so what is this movie that uh, actually... we'll just we'll just go with elvis we'll put Elvis. nice there. yeah cool um it, it's been kind of growing on me you know mm-hmm. kind of a solid three and a half star movie um edging its way up to four maybe Maybe mm-hmm. uh, if on a future rewatch, perhaps. I mean, it is a three-hour movie. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It just it just uh, hit a lot of good notes. Austin Butler obviously has a has a has a great performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably get an Oscar nom for that, I would think. But I also think that Tom Hanks should get a uh, Oscar nom. People say the Razzies, <laughs> but 
<laughs> this is not Chris yeah, Moose. I, I, I could see him uh, being nominated for both. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Chris Moose. Um, his his weird Dutch accent and the fat suit that he wears the entire time. That was actually what he was filming when he got COVID. Remember when yeah, COVID yeah. hit? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I back when I had Twitter, I uh, made the comparison that. Uh, I compare it to like the clown from Scarface that gets gunned down in the nightclub. That's what Tom Hanks looks like in Elvis. Oh, <laughs> that's not. Uh. Yeah, I mean he's a uh, he like he narrates the entire story, so you're constantly hearing this uh, this Dutch accent uh, as as Colonel Tom Parker. Uh, there's there's uh, some weird scenes where he's like wandering a uh, an uh, infinite casino in his in his uh, hospital gown and some mm-hmm. weird uh, morphine induced fever dream. Um, it's, it's like a, it's, it's like a perfect campy performance. It's yeah. just, it can't be, um, recreated, I, I think. Um, so I think he, he knocked it out of the park there. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's just like, a an all around decent film. Cool. Uh, good music, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great. I'm a big fan of that film as well. However, it did not make my top five, which uh-huh. is, and we should point out, this is not like a, I don't like like excluding films being like well you watch more movies than yeah, I yeah yeah so yeah it's not saying like i don't like saying like these films because they're not in the top five they're they're not great they are great i just just i saw more you're, movies you're choosing to highlight different films that's yeah, fine exactly um all right so the first entry in my top five is actually one of two canadian films in my top five uh and that is the uh film i like movies directed by chandler levac uh, so this premiered at TIFF this year. I don't think it's actually played anywhere else because the Letterbox reviews cap out at 851, which might be the total for everyone who saw it at, uh, or sorry, views or 851, which could be everybody who saw it at TIFF. Um, really, I, I don't really like coming of age stories, and this one is kind of not a traditional coming of age story, but it, it is a coming of age story set in the early 2000s at a uh, a blockbuster like video store. Um, with a, a teenager who is starting to realize that just because you know everything about movies doesn't mean you know everything about life. What? And I know. I was shocked to find this out too this year when I saw <laughs> I Like Movies. But I really, really dug it. Really well made. Um, I actually know or I've worked with some of the people involved. Some of you I like. Some of you I don't like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, on the whole, really, really dug this film. Really highly recommend it. Um, it's, it's great. All right, so moving on. Phil, by the way, Happy New Year, everybody. I guess we Happy. should say that. Anyways, Phil, what's what's your fourth pick? Fourth pick, um, I'm going to go with Pearl. This Ooh, nice, the sequel to, to X. X. Which I was not nuts about X, but mm-hmm. Pearl I was very pleasantly surprised by. And uh, Mia Goth is the piece de resistance of the mm-hmm. film. She's the, the backbone. Yeah, her monologue in that film is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, she's giving like 110%. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a singular performance. And, uh, you know, it's it's campy in all the right ways, but it's also... But but there's also gravitas to it as well. Yeah. I mean, even old Martin Scorsese himself said it was like like one of his favorite films of the year. Yeah, and yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Obviously, it's in your list. Yeah. Cool. Anything else to add to about it? Not really, no. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I've seen it as well. I really like the film as well, too. So, so it has grown on you because you were yeah. kind of eh about it. That's kind of eh, but uh, but yeah. And it I, was, has I grown. was like, oh my god, I like a movie more than you. I know, <laughs> which it's, is it's, very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like it. Probably still not as much as you, and definitely not as much as X. But I, I really, I do like yeah. it. Yeah, I think Mia Goth is. 
I'm really excited to see I, what I they do. I went in totally cold and, yeah. you know, I was probably one over. But. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what um, what the the third part of the trilogy, Maxine, is going to be like. Set in the early 80s yeah. in Los Angeles. I'm like, that's catnip for me. Yeah, like, I wasn't even going to see Pearl, but then, mm-hmm. like, my a friend of mine, she was like, oh, yeah, like, my coworkers are raving about it, and you should go see it. Like, you'll probably like it. And, and you did? I did, yeah. So I, I caught it at the Fox, and, you know, any excuse to go out to that theater is a good one. Oh, yeah. That is a fantastic theater. Yeah. Cool. Kit, what is your number four? Um, I didn't I didn't get to see Pearl. I did like X, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, not as much as this other horror film, which I'll I'll put on uh you already mentioned it mm-hmm. but barbarian hell yeah but mainly because it was a really fun time in the theater exactly um, yeah. i don't know if it depends on that like having a good audience that was really into the movie i think even watching it at home even by yourself you would get because there'd be such a what the f is going on here yeah yeah because um, it, it goes places it uh it uh starts off as mm-hmm. like a just kind of like a bad air airbnb uh, sort of nightmare situation mm-hmm. that that gets it just goes places. Yeah, uh, it's got Georgina Campbell in mm-hmm. there, um, Justin Long in a very memorable performance from Justin Long, and uh, Bill Skarsgård in a non creepy role. Yeah, for once. good guy, good guy, Bill. <laughs> just here to here to help you out, but we don't know well, that. Well, yeah, the, the whole thing is they cast him because mm-hmm. you're very suspicious of him. You're like, I don't trust you, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Uh, Interesting fact: Did you know that? Um, the film, well, they shot it in Bulgaria, set in Detroit. Which yeah, is yeah. But yeah. Um, the other, the really interesting thing is that when the director was shopping it around, he was also the writer on the film. The, the one of the whitest kids you know. I know. His former is, credit yeah. being Miss March, the, the <laughs> aughts teen boner comedy about a guy who's prom, he falls into a coma on the night of prom and wakes up to find his like goody two shoes girlfriend is now a, I, I, in a sex magazine. I remember that uh, working at Blockbuster. It was one of the movies like we'd have a single copy of that for yeah. rent. Okay, and it was like, I kind of want to watch it now just because like I do enjoy some of the whitest kids, you know, but they, the cover just sucks. It's just like literally like one guy being like, Oh my gosh! And the other guy being like, "Ho ho ho! What's happening?" <laughs> yeah, that's a that's yeah. a mid aughts boner comedy. Yeah, but no, I love Barbarian. But no, what the story I was going to say is that basically every studio that he shopped it around to was like, "You got to change the second act. It can't go. It can't be this weird." You can't. Well, because uh, uh, not to give too much of a spoiler yeah. away, but uh, Justin Long, uh, his whole character is like a whole Me Too thing. Yeah, and for the longest time, you're like, "Does the film support Justin Long?" Or <laughs> also, and also like. Because for a while there, you're just like, is this now just an anthology of like weird stories that are being told? Because this has nothing to do with the the first part of the film. But it all yeah. ties together. Yeah. And and kind of uh, there's mm-hmm. a comedic sensibility too. So you kind of like a comedic director going into horror because they add that. And yeah. I think um, and it, the, if if done well, mm-hmm. it it works. Yeah. Uh, in horror. And also there's a similarity in timing between horror and comedy. Like to yes. to land a good scare is very similar to landing a good gag. Yes. In yeah. fact, in in the biz, you call horror scares that you work on in films gags. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's my number four, I guess, if I'm counting up. Cool. All right, moving on to my number four. It is the 2022 film. I mean, they're all 2022 films. Uh, it is from Iranian director Ali Abbasi. It is uh, Holy Spider. Uh, I've been wanting to see this one. Yeah, it's it, out now, yeah. It's very, very good. It's very, very bleak. Um it's the lead actress, Zaramir Ebrani, Ebrani uh, Burhani. I can't pronounce her name. She is fantastic. And she actually won the 
the the award for best actress at con this year for her performance um it's it's great i mean it's based on a true story of a serial killer preying on prostitutes in a um an iranian village in the early 2000s and uh yeah it's dark it's bleak but it it's ultimately an important story and i really really dug it um really well made and yeah very very good so phil what is your number three my number three is david cronenberg's second crimes of the future movie in no relation to his second feature film Mm -hmm. crimes of the future awesome so canada's uncle dave makes uncle dave yes puts a spot on our list yeah yeah it's i'm so happy to see him uh return to the movies yeah let's hope that his because his next movie is coming out fast right like they're actually shooting in toronto i think they've already shot it maybe oh good yeah no it, it shoots this spring oh uh, leah sadu coming back nice yeah it's not the it's not the last time you're gonna hear about a leah sadu movie in my list uh, oh nice yeah. i mean you are a leah sadu head so yeah cool Anything else to add about Crimes of the Future? I mean, we all saw it together. Yeah, it's. A, I think that's a DBV approved. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It'll also be my next movie. I'll. I'll, I'll oh my Might gosh. as well. Yeah, let's. Uh, why, why separate this? this? Uh, yeah, Crimes of the Future uh, was really fun. A real, uh, mm-hmm. a g- good performance from uh, Vico Mortensen, who's Cronenberg's uh, other muse. Um, they've worked together a lot. Yeah. Um, like he's got a whole gravel truck in his throat for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, as the artist who takes uh, brand new organs out of his body mm-hmm. as a bit of performance art. Um, yeah. It's a very entertaining satire of uh, performance art, even though that's not the main point of the movie. But. It, yeah. it really is. And I also like like the, the guy who has uh, ears surgically attached to all over his body. <laughs> and all the artists hate him. They're like, he's such a hack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a really uh, fun movie about uh, maybe or maybe not eating microplastics. Mm-hmm. I I mean among other things, you are what you eat is what I think David Cronenberg is starting to, yes. trying to say. And I, I got to get me one of these uh, special digestive chairs. I'm hoping to get one for that Christmas. just shifts you around. And <laughs> looks really uncomfortable. Yeah. And we all love uh, twitchy Kristen Stewart. Oh yes, of oh, course. Yeah. Shout out, uh, shout yeah. out to and, Kristen. Stewart. And good old Scott Speedman makes an appearance. Yes. Canada's own. Yeah, leave it up to Uncle Dave to bring back Scott. And Don McKellar. Yeah, I forgot he was in that movie. Where did they shoot that movie? Was that also Bulgaria or was that Romania? It was somewhere in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Croatia, Real, real maybe. bombed out looking uh, yeah. sets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so I guess moving on to my number three. Uh, it's uh, from director Ty West and in his film, it is his film X. The, I guess, prequel to, uh, to Pearl, even though it came out first but no pearl is a prequel to yeah to x sorry i'm getting it all mixed up yeah i really like this film it's it's mean it's nasty it's exactly what i was looking for when it came out in theaters earlier this year um mia goth again puts in a great performance also a great performance by jenna ortega who i didn't really who i didn't know who who she was at all when i saw this movie and then she just was in everything she was in she's wednesday adams yeah she does the great dance wednesday adams now yeah thank you for Bringing the cramps to the youth, I really appreciate that because that band is fantastic. But um, uh, but she was also in Scream Six, which came out earlier this year, and she's going to be in Scream Seven next year. Which have you guys seen the teaser trailer for Scream Seven? I didn't even watch Scream Six. I heard it was bad. I'm I'm four Scream movies behind. I last one I saw was Scream Three. Oh, I've only seen the first Scream. 
Oh, uh, Scream Three was off-putting enough. Yeah, Scream Three is is quite bad. Scream Four ain't that much better, but Scream Six was enjoyable. I didn't like I didn't like the ending, but Scream Seven looks awesome because it's set in New York City, and it's like I'm like, oh, a city set set, because all the other movies were like the suburbs or on college campuses, but this is like the the teaser trailer is basically Jenna Ortega on a subway train on Halloween, looking up and noticing like a bunch of people wearing ghost face masks, and then the power goes out, and one of them gets closer and closer. Yeah, it looks really good. But X, I mean, just a mean, nasty film. Uh, Mia Goth playing two roles. Uh, Jenna Ortega. Brittany Snow, who I've been always a fan of, and I'm glad to see she got some more meteor work. Kid Cudi turned out in an interesting... I didn't know... Yeah. Yeah, I also don't know who Kid Cudi is. I've never heard one of his songs. And yeah, you, you know Kid Cudi. I do, you gotta remember, Pursuit I don't listen of happiness. to any, you, don't have any idea what that song is. Well, you've seen that Pete Davidson movie. Which one? The, King of Staten Island? Yeah. Yeah. It's in well, there? That's in there. Okay, I guess I've heard it. Yeah. I probably will listen to it and be like, I've never MGMT, heard it. MGMT, like, do the musical accompaniment for that song. Psh, again, you're saying words that might exist, but I don't recognize he, he them. He put out a half decent album with Kanye West, like, a mm. couple the, years the ago. The Ghosts, uh, yeah. that EP, like, when Kanye was doing EPs. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't bad. I listened to it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> anyways. We're going to cancel for, like, we're going to cancel for, uh, mentioning uh yay there on the yeah anyways Mr. Uh, hitler lover yeah well but we should we need to say this we do not in any way shape or form endorse a, the endorse opinions the, or views of, Tom, of Mr. Kanye, Kanye West, West or no. any neo-nazis or anti-semites of any kind in any way shape or form but he, he made a half decent album with kid cuddy a few years ago so it happens um <laughs> yeah no no sorry back to the film x uh really dug it really enjoyed it um it's like the fun cousin of pearl um then i'll just leave it at that i mean it's got so many great elements of like it's not like got little bits of feels like it's a an oma- a dash of motel hell a dash of toby hooper's eaten alive it's also a porn movie well they're shooting a pornographic yes. film uh it's not a porn movie in and of itself kit no no i no, think no. anyone looking to it to for the services of a pornographic film would be no, very no, disappointed no, no, no. Although there is some nudity, of course. Mm-hmm. Unlike Pearl, X has not generated any uh, robust memes. No, that's true. Yeah. The Pearl memes are delightful. Uh, yeah, they're good. Um, but we wouldn't have Pearl without X. Yeah. All right, Phil, what is your number two? My number two is a movie I saw at TIFF, which I mentioned on our the TIFF episode that we never aired. But uh, Oh, okay. right. Sorry. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, One Fine Morning, uh, the latest film by Mia Hansen Love, starring Leah Seydoux. Nice. I do. I still still want to see that film. Has it gotten a release since Tiff? Not. Is it still, I know, is it still doing the, the festival tours? Are probably going to make like a dip at Sundance and then maybe South by and then get a release in the summer? That's my guess. Because yeah. when I saw it, um, there was a Mongrel logo at the beginning. So mm-hmm. Mongrel had already picked it up. So. Oh. So maybe it's my already on, this, maybe on VOD or something. I don't know. Like I, Mongrel t- does tend to put stuff at the light box. So yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. So like, probably in the next couple months, it'll get mm-hmm. a uh, light box release. Because Hunt, one of my my honorable mentions, that was distributed by Mongrel in Canada. Okay. Yeah. In no relation to the Hunt with Mads Mikkelsen. Yep. No. Or the other movie Hunt that came out in 2020 okay. about the the rich people killing the poor. Oh yeah. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the director, Mia mm-hmm. Hansen Love. Like, uh, she's directed um, Father of My Children, uh, Things to Come, yeah. Eden. Oh, fantastic stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just a terrific uh, character drama that made me pretty emotional at times. Oh, 
Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. It's always good when films do that. And my next film will actually actually did that to me. Yeah. Great. Anything else to add about it? Not really, no. But uh, yeah, it's uh, one one of the rare uh, quiet uh, character dramas that we talk about on this podcast. Uh, nice. We should do a, a series of carrots of carrot of quiet, quiet character dramas. dramas yeah. yeah, not carrot quiet dramas. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, Kit. What is your number two? Uh well, I will go with a film that I just watched last night, folks. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's it's Avatar right. Two. It's, Die Harder. It's Avatar: The Way of Water. Big box office. Jim delivering the goods as as you always knew he would. Um, listen, I don't know what to say. Uh, if you liked the first one, you'll probably like this one. Uh, it's returning to Pandora. Apparently there was a whole, like, uh, movement of people who got so depressed that they couldn't live mm-hmm. in Pandora after watching the first movie that, uh, they wanted to kill themselves. Things like, things of that nature. I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a strange psychological phenomena. But, uh, anyway, uh, so we, we get deeper into the world of Pandora. We're exploring new areas. Uh, of course, uh, we're picking up with Jake Sully and his uh, new family of Navi. Mm. He is now fully a Navi, having his uh, his actual human body is dead. Uh, so he is just a... Uh, Does a, he still only have five fingers? He has five fingers, yes, because that's... Because they have four? Or do they have six? The Navi have four, uh-huh. but all of his children have five, and uh-huh. they get poked fun of at this. They're, they're called... Uh, so I guess the Navi aren't the great, spiritual, all-encompassing, all-welcoming race that Jim Cameron said they were. <laughs> but, well, no, they... Well, some of them aren't, and uh, there's a, there's one scene, and it's all these, like, typical, very cliched conversations, very James Cameron, but, like, uh, they're teasing the children, like, how many fingers do you have? And then one of the Navi children is like, just holds up his middle finger, and he's like, one of these right here. But it can't, oh, the like Jake Sully's children or the other children? Jake Sully's children. Okay, because I was going to say, if they only have four fingers, and there's no, there, like, There's no middle finger. So only only the Jake Sully's children can, can actually flip, flip, flip the, bird. the bird. Do they do that throughout the movie to, like, everyone, all the army just, guys? Like, yeah, look at us with our middle fingers. Just, uh, just the one part. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, um, I mean, uh, Sigourney Weaver is somehow back. As the um, magical daughter of uh, Scurney Weaver. Herself, which I think Phil pointed out is a direct lift from Alien Resurrection. Yes. <laughs> a, a little bit, yeah. But in this one, I mean, uh, Sigourney Weaver basically gets to, to play like a manic pixie teenager character. Mm. In this one, she's very sarcastic and always, uh, but also in tune with nature. Um, and then Stephen Lang also returns. As- yes, which you explained. So for, for, if I recall correctly... It's that even though these characters died yes. before they went into their big battle at the end of Avatar 1, they saved their consciousnesses electronically yes. and then Gio- put them... Giovanni Ribisi's character pops up in just a flashback where this is explained. Yes. Just to say, by the way, all that stuff you saw at the end of the first movie doesn't count because we saved their minds and we built new bodies and they're back in business. Um, it's, it's like 20 years after these events or 15 years after the events. So actually, uh, um, Stephen Lang's, he had a son, he had a baby son, I guess. So sure. his son is now this, like this character named Spider, this, this white kid with dreads who, who just, he's gone totally native. James and- Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron, white guy with dreads in 2022. Oh, yeah. My God. Well, he's more appropriating the Navi who will always have their, their hair like this. Um, I don't know what Still, to tell you. Yeah. Also, Jake does Sully he play bass in a ska band? <laughs> Jake Sully should. He looks like he does. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Jake Sully is hilarious too because oh, he's an Australian guy, Sam Worthington, but um, he does like this more like New Jersey accent. So he's like, yeah, so uh, me and my Navi family, we gotta we gotta flee to the water, the water people, and we gotta hide out there because I gotta protect my family. That's one thing that a father that's that's a father's main job is to protect his family. And uh, so it's a lot of that. And and it just looks, it's a gorgeous film. Like, it's cheesy as hell and very surface level. Um, but it's also gorgeous to look at. And quite the spectacle. A little long at three hours and 15 minutes. But uh, I was I was, I was was in it. And that, uh, man. Except for the part where you almost fell asleep. I was, I was too sleepy. This was my bad. I was too sleepy going in. I'm on a weird schedule these days where I'm working nights. Um... But, like, that final hour is just one big action set piece, kind of reminiscent of Titanic in many ways. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, some other people have pointed out that this film is really just an homage to James Cameron's other films. You can find pieces of them um, in, in this one. Uh, it's something to go see if you're a, if you're a gym head. And if you're not, then you don't have to see it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Old JC. <laughs> Old JC. The whole time you were talking, I just had that James Cameron "Bravest Pioneer" song stuck in my head. I, it reminds me, like I saw on the front cover of the New York Times, the print edition of the New York Times, that like Titanic is apparently big in uh, Afghanistan. Huh. I need to find this article. Hopefully, it's not paywalled. But uh, I wonder why that is. Because yeah. I'm like, not seen... sure the article will explain why. Yeah. This movie also. And of course, the the headline stresses. It's big in Taliban-led Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie—they're just big Kate Winslet fans. Or it could uh, be—it could be the like the uh, the because I, I earlier this year I watched the uh, the the Nazi Titanic movie that was made under Hit- when Hitler was in control, and they made it basically to show the um, the arrogance and futility of the British. So it could be like look oh, at the arrogance be. and futility of the West. Could be that. Also, yeah. this movie reunites Kate Winslet. She's back with uh, working with James Cameron mm-hmm. as one of the Navi. I think. I think she's she's like the uh, sort of the wife. Like Cliff Curtis plays the chief. They always get Cliff Curtis to play these indigenous people. This this. He plays. He's played so many different ethnicities over the years. He really has. He like just... I rewatched Training Day a few months ago, and he plays a Latino in that movie. You can kind of insert him into anything. I think I've seen him play an Iraqi soldier in another movie. Well, remember he played the leader of Hezbollah in The Inside. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cliff Curtis is the chief of the water people, and I think Kate Winslet is his wife, um, who's, who's very stern and actually kind of the one to fear. Um, I think so. Anyway, it's hard to tell. A lot of, lot Cliff of Curtis CGI. also played a terrorist in Collateral Damage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> He also played a Roman in uh, the 2018 film, or is it 2016 film, Risen. He's like one of these people that could basically play any race. He's just kind of, mm-hmm. he's just like quasi. He was the star of The Walking Dead, or Fear of the Walking Fear Dead. Fear of the Walking Dead, yeah. yes, which I watched uh, the first couple of seasons, and I got tired of it. Mm-hmm. So that was James Cameron's Avatar 2, The Weight of Water. It's The Way of Water, The Way sir. of Water, sorry. You need to learn The Way of Water yeah. if, you, if you're going to... Mm-hmm. Battle the I don't I don't yep. know. <laughs> with the the battle to save Panorama and of course it, it, the movie sets up the third movie like you, mm-hmm. you've got all these threads now that are open for a third film which has already been filmed so yeah it'll come out in sixteen years <laughs> I'm sure it'll come out in the next two I, I think it's they're gonna try to rush that one out <laughs> it's funny because um in uh, Adam Neiman wrote a piece for the Ringer this week about 
James Cameron, what he did and didn't do for 3D. And it starts off with a quote of James Cameron saying, like, within five years, every form of entertainment will be in 3D. He was right for a little while. But then, and then he was like, very wrong. Yeah. But people are like, yeah, we don't, we don't want that. For We're not going to pay five dollars extra for <laughs> nonsense. But for a while there, every single film was coming out in 3D after. Avatar. Yeah, which I, well, that packaging it as 3D. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that was a cash grab. See, that's pure and simple because you could charge four dollars more for a 3D movie. Terrible. Anyways, my number two is another Canadian film directed by Sophie Jarvis, and this film is called Until Branches Bend. Um, this film is amazing. It is set in the Okanagan Valley in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. Sorry, not Vancouver, but in British Columbia. Um, it gave me a lot of emotional uh, feelings and and highs and lows. And uh, I hope it gets a wide. Re- oh, it's so sad. On Letterboxd, there's only 204 views and 54 reviews. Uh, it stars Grace Glowicki uh, and Alexandra Roberts. Um, as well as Lachlan Monroe, who... Lachlan Monroe is an actor who, if you saw him, you'd know him. He is basically the... I almost think his middle name should be Canadian content, Lachlan Monroe. Because <laughs> any time a film is shot in Vancouver or Toronto, he was in Dracula 3000. He was in the the first scary movie. It's just like, who do we... He was in Freddy vs. Jason. It's like, who is a Canadian actor that we can slot into a row? Ro- any role, Lachlan Monroe is him. But no, this film is fantastic. It is about a woman who uncovers a... A potentially uh, invasive species in peach orchards in uh, the Okanagan Valley, and basically by doing the right thing, her life is destroyed. And there's a, it's a heavy movie. I really recommend it. Uh, it's great. It was shot in 16 millimeter film, so it uh, wins my heart over even more. And uh, I believe it was Sophie's first feature. Um, yeah, all of her other films before this were shorts. So actually, uh, both Canadian films were first features. Both I Like Movies and Until Branches Bend were first features for me. So nice. good work, Canadians. Um, all right, Phil, what is your numero uno? And this is your favorite film of the year so far? It is definitely my favorite movie of the year. And I thought that One Fine Morning was going to be my favorite. But no, it is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Nice, the documentary. The documentary by Laura Poitras, who did Citizen Four, that the Oscar-winning Edward Snowden doc. But this one is about one of my favorite photographers, Nan Golden. Uh, nice. Yeah, so I, I saw this one with uh, Vanessa and my mom. Mm-hmm. I know Vanessa told me that she. Yeah, really... neither were familiar with Nan Golden. I, I ex- oh really? I I, 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 was, I sort of expected Vanessa to at least. Yeah, have a I figured, I figured she would. Golden, yeah, but yeah, that's that's a uh, friend of the podcast and documentarian Vanessa Young. Yes. Yep. Anyway, yeah. So like the movie's twofold. Like it's an incredible overview of Nan Golden's career and her work. But, but the overarching theme of the movie is um, her activism work against uh, the Sacklers. Mm-hmm. The, the Oxycontin producers. Oxycontin, yeah. but like their initial claim to infamy was Valium. Ah. Yeah, so they're... And also, like the... I think this... The way the Sacklers have come known, come known is because they've sunk all their money into art institutions. Yeah, it's art washing, they call it, or... Art washing, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there is an optimistic angle to it because, you know, like, the Sacklers have gained so much notoriety in recent years. And mm-hmm. um, there's also this book called Empire of Pain, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, that's about the evils of uh, the Sackler dynasty. Mm-hmm. And the author of that book is 
a one of the main talking heads in all the beauty and the bloodshed even though it's not i wouldn't call it a talking head documentary but for context of the sacklers he is the default talking head and um so it is optimistic at that angle but it's also like really emotionally gutting just mm-hmm. because it's so personal like talking about like because it deals with you know the opioid crisis and you know people have been directly affected by it including like nan golden who was she was a heroin addict and then like later in oxycontin mm-hmm. addict and yeah well i mean the the devastating thing about oxycontin is that before everyone really knew its ramifications it was just prescribed like crazy yeah that's people exactly thought it was the, they called it the miracle drug it's like oh yeah. you can do everything on it i remember and uh yeah and now it's just entire communities in the united states and i mean to a and lesser extent days like well valium was like overprescribed at that oh moment, yeah, yeah yeah but like but the serious thing is like oxycontin and you know like the yeah. way that like oxycontin is just like straight up killed people or like yeah turn people over to like doing straight heroin and mm-hmm. well i mean uh, uh for a while there oxycontin was called hillbilly heroin no totally um yeah so and i've been meaning to see that film as well i'm a big nan golden fan so yeah it, uh, i you really need to see it mm-hmm. i will hopefully before the end of the year yeah I, it should still be playing at the light box if not mm-hmm. light box it will be playing at hot docs for sure yeah because it it's playing at both hot docs and the light box concurrently mm-hmm. so Hot Docs only programs so much, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's not at the light box, it's going to be at Hot Docs. I see. All right. So, Kit, what is your numero uno of the year? And is this your favorite film of the year, or just the end film of, your of list? the year? Or um, this is just the end of your list. Well, this is uh, it's the it's the favorite film I saw this year. There's a lot of films that I haven't had a chance to see, unfortunately, that I that I want to see that might be better. But in terms of what I've seen, uh, this is at the top, and it is none other than R R R. The uh, wow, SS nice. Rajamouli yeah. film, mm-hmm. starring uh, starring N. T. Rama Rao Jr. and Ram Charan. Uh, it is quite the epic. Another three-hour film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Check yeah, out Kit with the huge attention span here. Somehow, yeah. Um, it's a uh, it's about uh, two uh, Indian heroes who were real people. We real people. Out. The story um, is not true, but they are real people. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're real people um, who actually never met in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie imagines what if they did, and also what if they were the best of friends ever to have existed on the planet. And at certain points, worst of enemies. At certain points, yeah. yes, but, but through mostly, misunderstandings yeah. mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because one is a—he's sort of a cop, although he's actually an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. And the other one is uh, he's looking for a stolen uh, girl. Yeah, the the British Raj uh, come in and uh, they're just awful. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, the guy who plays Titus Polo in uh, Rome is the uh, is the uh, the general. Did you know that? I did not know that. Did you know who plays um, his wife? The lady who's in the Last Crusade. Yes, the yeah. the 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 German Nazi woman who was actually played by an Irish woman. In oh, life. interesting. She's yes. Irish, yeah. She's the one who uh both uh both Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and his father have a dalliance with. Have a dalliance with. Yes. Yep. And in this movie she decides to steal a kid because she thinks she's cute. Yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. she wants her to yeah, yeah. which they probably did. Uh, the British Raj were notorious for doing things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. No. Uh and this is a historical story, so I think that is what sparked yeah. off um the tribal mm-hmm. people um uh, and so a beam is that character, and he comes to town, mm-hmm. kind of to look for the girl to find her, 
And meanwhile, we've got the uh, the undercover cop, who's the best cop in the world. Oh, there's a scene what? at the beginning where he is a one man wrecking crew. <laughs> he actually there's like a revolution or is, uh, some people some uh, protest going on, and uh, one of the protesters throws a rock at uh, at one of the generals, and the general's like, "Arrest that man!" And it's like in the thick of this giant protest, and only one cop is able to do it, and that's our boy. He just fight. He fights the he entire. Fights- uh, all of the, India. All, yeah, basically. <laughs> he's a one-man punch machine, yeah. He just takes them all out and then drags the guy back, and he's like, here, you wanted this guy, right? And everyone's like, holy cow. And of How co- did you do that? And, of course, they pass him up for a promotion even still. Uh-huh, because he's brown, unfortunately. Because he's brown. He's yeah. not the right color. But yeah. uh, it turns out he was working <clears throat> secretly um, just to – he was trying to get to a certain position so he could access, have access to all the weapons – and then he would uh, unleash the gates of hell upon the British Raj was his old plan. But this is where him and his uh, his his best best friend ever, mm-hmm. uh, they have a misunderstanding, a falling out. Um, yeah. He goes to jail. There's a, there's a great scene where Beam actually breaks him out of jail. And then he gets him on his shoulders and they, they piggybacks him out of the uh, out of the prison complex. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw this clip in the trailer. <laughs> While our boy, he has two rifles, and yeah. he's dual-wielding two rifles. While Piggy, well, on the, sitting on the shoulders <laughs> of his best friend. This, it's, it's movie is uh, just epic. It's what movies are for. Uh, there's also a great uh, suspender dance scene. Right, yeah. Which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's always good when there's a dance-off in a movie. Apparently, at certain screenings, like if you go see this... People, people recreate it, yeah. People will come down in the front row sort of like, uh, and actually do the, uh, mm-hmm. the dance-off scene, which is which is great. Uh, I love it when people get involved uh, with yeah. movies like that. Yeah. This movie's a lot of fun. I really like it. And it's like one of those movies that it is creeping me, like, liking it more and more. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's ho-hum. I also watched it at home, which is kind of a bummer. Like, I wish... I think you need a group. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that, like, we live in Toronto, which is a very diverse community. Many people from India and South Asia play this in theaters for more than just one night. Like, put it yeah. in for a week so I can go see it because they played it at the Royal for one night. And then they played it at the Lightbox. Royal? Yes, the actual Royal. I'm not misspeaking. Oh, wow. Okay. So Peter Kaplowski, like, he still apparently rents out the Royal from time to time to okay. do his own screenings there, even though everyone knows it's not the Royal anymore. But he, he did a screening at the Royal, and then they actually did a screening at TIFF because they're doing an SS Rajmuli. Is that his name, SS Rajmuli? Uh, Rajamuli, yeah. Rajamuli. They're doing a retrospective of most of his works at the... They were doing it at the Lightbox. I couldn't go to any of it, unfortunately. I was too busy. But again, only played RRR once. I'm like, play it for a week so I can go see it. I thought this was only playing like at the Albion, like because I know like Will I, Sloan like goes out there mm-hmm. for like the Bollywood screenings. Yeah, I actually don't think it played out there due to it being on Netflix because it was on Netflix right, okay. right, right away. Because yeah. when they advertised um, advertised it at the Royal, it was come see it on the big screen for the for the only the only time it is played theatrically in Toronto. Which is some nonsense. We're supposed yeah. to be a world class city here. What's going on? I mean, there are a lot of Bollywood films, and we should point out this isn't actually uh, is not a Bollywood film. I think it's a Nollywood film. Or uh, t- yeah, it's because um, it's it's t- Taluk is Taluga the, is the is the language. Yeah, because um, yeah, because Bollywood is a nation of a billion people. Yeah. Sorry, country of a billion people, and uh, sorry, India is a country of a billion people. Not Bollywood is a country of a billion <laughs> people. But no, India is a country of a billion people with different languages, and they have different film like. The systems, so they have Bollywood, yeah. which everyone knows, and then there's Nollywood, and a, there's like four or five of them. Because um, there's the odd Bollywood movie that plays like the Young and Dundas. And there are lots of Bollywood movies yeah. that play Young and Dundas, and Korean films too, which yeah. I like. I appreciate because I want to go see more of them. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? 
Yeah, uh, I dug, dig RRR. Super fun, big old bombastic movie. Oh, yes, tons of fun. Like that, yeah. uh, you do get the CGI animals and stuff, but that one scene where he unleashes the the entire oh, zoo. It's fantastic. On that party, fantastic. Yeah, so they've been, they've been like poking these these animals for like weeks just with sticks, and then like they let them loose in this party, and just it's a feeding frenzy. <laughs> All right, moving on to my number one of the year, which actually only came out on uh, not last Friday, but the Friday before when we were recording this on December the 9th. Uh, it, it sadly didn't play theatrically in Canada, but it played theatrically in the States. It is Joe Bigos's Christmas Bloody Christmas. Ooh. This movie is my favorite film of the year. Everyone, wow. I, everyone I know who's seen it is like, oh, this is Graham's favorite film of the year. So they're just like, my friend and my friend and uh, my friend John, friend of the podcast, Jonathan Manley, who will be on one of these days. In Nova Scotia, he watched it with his wife, and his wife turned to him and said, "Like, did Graham recommend this? Because it seems like he would really like it." Yeah, it's strong Graham Shepherd energy. Yeah, yeah, it's it definitely like is almost like uh, Joe Bigos like pointing a camera inside my brain, and and this is what came out. Uh, it is a fantastic. I want to live in the world that this movie exists <laughs> wow. in, where there there are just like small towns with metal record shops that also sell DVDs, Blu-rays, and VHS tapes. Uh, and everybody like has vinegar syndrome posters in their in their house, and listen to good music, um, and debate whether Pet Cemetery or Pet Cemetery Two is the better film. Uh, and then there's a killer animatronic uh, Santa Claus, uh, which is just great. It's the best way to describe it is the Terminator meets Silent Night Deadly Night, with a dash of uh, I don't know what a heavy metal movie is, a contemporary one, but it's it's great. I love it. Shot on sixteen millimeter, beautiful film. Looks amazing. All right. Wow. Okay. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some movies. So there are a couple of movies before we get on to our uh, first watches of the year. Um, not of the year, but first time watches. What are some movies that you missed this year that you want to catch up on? Phil? Not missed so much. It's it's to see. Um, yeah. We, me and uh, Vanessa plan on seeing The Eternal Daughter sometime this nice. week. It play. We tried catching it at uh, Tiff, but Tiff. couldn't get in. Yeah, couldn't get in. But it's playing at the light box this week. So uh, nice. If if all goes plan according to plan, I'm I have very high expectations for Joanna Hogg because I'm such a souvenir head. Nice. Uh, it might have made my top five had I seen it <laughs> prior to recording this. Cool. And you haven't seen Holy Spider, right? I've not seen Holy Spider, and that's another one I really yep. want to watch. I think that's still playing. At the Lightbox, yeah. At least yeah. once a day. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Kit, what are some films you uh, haven't seen this year that you want to check out? Oh, I don't even know. I, well, I really want to see Banshees of Inchurin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, I want to see that as well. Yeah. Um, also, Decision to Leave. Yeah. Uh, that looked pretty good. Um, I'm hearing good things about uh, like Bones and all. I don't know. The Fablemans I want to see. Mm-hmm. Of the Steven Spielberg ode to cinema. Sure. Um. <laughs> I don't care either. <laughs> no, no, I saw it. Okay. Did it you just, like it? Yeah, it was. I thought it was That's good. Fine. Okay. It just it, it got it really became good just as it ended, and you're like, oh, yeah. just could have could have watched another hour of of that. I, I, I love Michelle Williams, but. Nah, I, I'd say re- I, it's a recommend. I'd okay. say go see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hear uh, David Lynch steals the show as John Ford. He does. Um and I'm just look uh, Tar I wanted to see I I know uh Phil wasn't a big fan of that one mm-hmm. but uh, I'm still interested in seeing that still one. See it anyway, like you could think differently. 
Um, I, or, or you could agree with me as well, which is also okay. I <laughs> I love Kate Blanchett. So yeah. um, speaking of Kate Blanchett, I rewatched Carol, which I like even more than when I first saw it. Nice. Did I you see that at the Paradise? One. No, I I want to see it at the Paradise, but I ended up streaming it, like forgetting that it was playing at the Paradise. Right. So I watched it on Canopy instead. I inadvertently watched the second Christmas movie, the second hmm. <laughs> two nights in a row. I watched Moon, rewatched Moonstruck. So nice. So, kid, anything else from your uh, want to watch list? Uh, nothing I can think of offhand. Cool. Uh, for me, the big one that I didn't see this year is Confess Fletch, which is oh, yeah, yeah. finally the first new Fletch movie in like oh well over thirty years. Didn't at this get point. a theatrical release in Canada. I know it's a bit of a bummer, and everyone who saw it was like, "This movie is really good, and it should have played theaters." I thought that was a streaming only movie. Maybe it was streaming only, but like it got released theatrically in in the states, but not in like in two cities or something. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. But it's I heard yeah. they finally uh, finally gave John Hamm something to do. I know. I mean, that it looks amazing, and I'm a big fan of those Gregory McDonald books to He's begin with. Liberated from skipped editions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and like at first I was like, really, John Hamm is as Fletch and. But seeing the trailer, I'm like, oh, it works so well. Um, and I'm just glad. I wish. I hope Chevy Chase is triggered. Oh, he's probably pissed because he's like, those that movie wouldn't have been good without me. And I'm like, no, no, dude, it was all in the book. Um, but yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to see this film. I meant to watch it yesterday. Meant to watch it the day before, but just didn't get around to it because it's the Christmas crunch. Uh, and then the other film that I wanted to see that I did not see this year was Prey, um, the Predator. Uh, prequel, I guess you would say. Yeah, I think you'd, I think you'd yeah. dig it. And then I'm sure there are other stuff. I still haven't seen Deci- Decision to Leave. I haven't seen uh, the Nan Golding doc you talked about. Um, Clerks 3. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about I've, I've been. I was almost going to go a couple times because it played at the uh, the the Young and Dundas Cineplex quite a bit and or like for like a month almost straight, but it was always like once a day. The week I deleted my Twitter was when a bunch of people were making Clerks 3 jokes. It's like, I'm done now. It's like, it's time for me to leave. <laughs> I don't need to see those. That's yeah. that's enough. Okay. Um. All right, guys, let's move on to uh, best first-time watches. Okay, I'll have to arrange my list here. Just give me a sec. Phil? Do you have your? Uh... I, I don't have a formal list off hand, but like just uh, the first uh, great first watch I watched was um, and at thirteen thousand feet. That's a uh, Toronto film. Uh, its premiere was gonna be like right. Probably, I think it was the day we went into first lockdown. Even and like the director and actress were supposed to be in attendance. And I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So I missed that, and like it, like it like went straight to TIFF online streaming. I think it eventually did get a screening when things were opening up again, but I missed it. Yeah. Anyway, I eventually streamed it, and it's it was terrific. Great, cool. Yeah, but I I it's sad that I missed it in twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean that happens unfortunately. It happens unfortunately, but no, it's just a terrific uh, spare character driven movie. It's a, a nice, tight 75-minute uh, hmm. watch. And, uh, Derek Campbell's terrific. Cool. Uh, any other films that uh, good first-time watches? Yeah, let's, uh, let me let me dredge something up here. I watched the original Night in the City. That was like a big blind film noir blind spot uh, cool. for me, which I watched on the Criterion Channel. Great Richard Woodmark performance. And uh, a 1950 movie involving... The old school wrestling. Nice. The remake 
they switch it to boxing. <laughs> yeah. Which I've never seen, but never mind. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Oh yeah. Um the documentary Twist about the Twist you told dance me, yeah. Cruise. Yeah. Cool. I, I think I I talked about it on the pod mm-hmm. earlier on this year. Uh the Brandon Cronenberg movie Possessor I really enjoyed. Still gotta watch that film. Yeah, like um I was I was a Brandon Cronenberg skeptic. I think everybody shat on his first movie and he just went into hiding for a number of years. Right. That was anti-viral, right? I think it was anti-viral. It was like, oh, it's it's Cronenberg's fail son. And then (laughs) he won people over with Possessor. I guess so. He's he's got one coming uh, coming down the pipe with Mia Goth in it. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, Anything else? The L.A. Rene movie, Je T'aime, Je T'aime. Ah, right. Yeah, which... some of the cheekier uh, letterbox reviewers refer to as the original Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. I could see that. Yeah. Have you seen it before? No. Okay. I think you'd enjoy it. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. The N.J. Zhuavsky movie, Mad Love. Love Lemur that movie. Four. Lemur Brock. Yeah. Yep. Lemur Brock, yeah. Yeah, love that film. Not, not Lemur Four. Um, Rapture. It's better known as, under its Spanish title, Arabato. Really liked... Um, the B movie Pit Stop involving stock car race drivers and starring a young Sid Haig and a uh, young Ellen Burstyn who was still performing, I think, under her maiden name. Mm-hmm. Uh, filled another blind spot, uh, Stage Fright Aquarius, uh, the the great Italian uh, Michel Suave. Oh, okay. Uh, I was like, Stage Fright Aquarius. I just noticed Stage Fright. Stage Fright, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I know it's also under the title Stage Fright Aquarius, but yeah, nah. Stage Fright. The old Killer Owl movie. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, I watched a lot of films this year, but I'll just keep it to... Oh, was that it for you, Phil? No, it's not it, but oh. I thought you might have something more to say about... Uh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We, we, <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't... <laughs> this segment is going quite going on quite long, so... Yeah, so I another... So I watched... I still haven't seen Drive My Car, which he's best known for, but I watched two other movies by Ryosuke Hamaguchi, Asako 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Which is my least favorite of the three I've I'd watched, but I, it's still a fantastic movie. Mm. But uh, my second favorite Ryosuke Hamaguchi movie I watched this year was Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, which is uh, basically three short stories. As okay, two hour movie. Yeah, oh, cool. Oh, and I got into Eric Romer uh, recently. I've always meant to get into him, but uh, I haven't. I had seen his movies, a couple of his movies, years ago, but I, I wasn't into them then. But I. These were first watches for me, so like The Green Ray I loved mm. and uh, The Four Adventures of Renette and Mirabelle. And last but not least by any stretch was another, yet another blind spot, the Danish film The Celebration. Oh, you only saw that this year? I only saw it this year. It's a movie I mm-hmm. was convinced I saw years ago and I definitely have not. And oh, wow. It's like the crowning jewel of the Dogma 95 mm-hmm. movement and clearly you've seen it yeah i still think it's thomas vinterberg's best film yeah i haven't seen anything else by thomas vinterberg i've been made to watch other works of his. no not even that uh, another round yeah i i've been made to watch that one mm-hmm. since it first came up because but just didn't All just, right. yeah and people who've seen the celebration which was like oh my god this is succession totally ripped this off which i yeah i guess they did but sure i'm fine i mean i i love succession but you know it's i mean like shakespeare had a lot of messed of up families too yeah. like yeah cool 
All right. Well, Kit, what are your uh, favorite first-time watches this year? All right, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to keep this short. Um, because okay. I, I watched a lot of movies this year, but I'll try to. Keep you have it. a total hundred movies this year, so I you know was keeping it. Nice. So I'm try- I'm inching up on three hundred. I'm gonna I'll, try. I'm gonna try and crack three hundred this year. I'll I'll try to keep it uh, just uh, above four stars. Uh, first-time watches. Although I will uh, special mention to Death Rides a Horse, which I recently watched. Yeah, it's a hell that of a movie. Film. Is awesome. I, I just so like good. how it's like. I don't think it it uh, it doesn't invent anything like it's just using uh, spaghetti western um, devices and things like that like the shot at the poker table where it just mm-hmm. spins around to each uh, each character mm-hmm. and things like that it just does them all so well and of course Lee Van Cleef is great um, and uh, what a score by Ennio Morricone as well uh, also like to mention Happy Hour which I watched uh, I had to wait for an appointment uh, had about five hours to wait so mm-hmm. I was like well let's check this out really stretching my uh, attention span this year really trying to mm. exercise it uh, and yeah as Phil says every minute is somehow justified even though it's just 30 something women chatting with one another cool. basically um, uh, also watched um, Norman Jewison's In the Heat of the Night I hadn't seen that one before it's quite I a good. Still haven't seen *In the Heat of the Night*. Oh, it's a hell of a film. Um, really great performances from Sidney Poitier, but also um, by uh, co-star Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger, who actually Poitier wasn't even nominated for an Oscar, but uh, Steiger brought home brought home the gold. Just mm. goes to show you that the Oscars have always been trash. Um, first time watch uh, *Godzilla*, the original. Nice. Uh, that's a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Long Goodbye. Yeah, it's another oh, yeah. great film. Yeah, One of my favorites. That's that's a hell of a film. I uh, haven't actually seen a lot of Robert Altman films, oddly enough. No, oh, he made a lot of them. Oh yeah, and th- a lot of them are not that great. Go- a lot <laughs> of them are great, is what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, see, he, there are some misses. I think I, I, he did Prairie Home Companion, right? Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that was, was his a... final film. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. Three women, thieves like us. Nashville, McCabe and Mrs. Cuts. Miller. I haven't seen any of the these. The player. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Come back to the five and dine, Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean. I have not seen that one. Or Jimmy Dean come back. That was, was yeah. Cher's first movie, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. Even, I've seen most of Mash, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, my dad was watching it one night, and Mash uh, is fun. yeah, I watched like half of it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, the suicide is painful, Popeye. So. Popeye, I hear, is actually pretty decent. Uh, even though it was uh, was a flop at the time, no? Yeah. But it has a cult following. The sets that, are still... I, I, that was one of the first movies I ever rented from a video store, Popeye. Oh, wow. That's one of those movies that like I found about when I was a kid and found out about it in the 90s. I'm like, oh my God, there was a live-action Popeye movie. Because you know how sometimes you'd not realize that movies existed? I didn't know about it until I was, yeah. we got our first video store membership. It's like, I'm renting that because I watch yeah. Popeye every Saturday morning. I well, love that Shelley Duvall was just the perfect... Uh, olive oil. oil. <laughs> olive oil. Which Robert uh, Altman did not want to cast her. Oh, my God. Because they were a thing at the time, and he didn't work with uh, actor uh, people actresses that he was uh, intimate with. But she's too perfect for yeah. that. Yeah. She's got to be in the picture. He did multiple movies with Shelley Duvall. I know. He wasn't a fan of it, though. <laughs> it was the studios that pushed him to do so. Uh, another first watch I uh, I got around to uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Nice. It's another long movie. I'm watching a lot of long movies this year. I haven't seen Malcolm X since the 90s, and it was an age when I didn't understand anything. So, I yeah, rewatch it. I think it's it's really good. It it packs a lot of different genres in there. It's like it's you know it's a crime movie for a part of it, and then it's a it's a political movie. 
Um, uh, also, first watch, oddly enough, Crash. Hadn't seen Crash before. This is the David Cronenberg yeah, okay, Crash, good. not some... One of my personal favorites. Really stellar film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I myself as a degenerate here. <laughs> big Holly Hunter fan over here, for sure. But also, uh, Elias Cotias is just fantastic oh, yeah. in this. Nice. Uh, the Night of the Hunter. Yep, classic. Yeah. Charles Lawton, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's probably my, my favorite Charles Lawton film. Actually. His only. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, let's see oh mem- memories of murder that is a, uh, with a Dev, yeah. solid one. so good really really solid film really enjoyed that that's a bong joon ho classic um let's see here uh i mean licorice pizza which i don't think made my top 10 movies last year because i hadn't seen it until this year yeah well, it dropped Christmas Day last year. Yeah. We can't be too pedantic here. So we should mm-hmm. bring it up at least. Yeah. Licorice Pizza. That made a, my the... top 10 on Instagram when I posted <laughs> my Instagram top 10. Uh, that was a really good film. Looking forward to um, uh, more works by Paul Thomas Anderson. What's He's got something interesting in the in the plan. He's either going to do like a like a kung fu flick or uh, something, another like... A... Is he finally going to do a horror movie? Well, he's he's got this whole kung fu thing planned. Maybe, nice that he wants do it, to do. Do it, do it, do it. Um, uh, His Girl Friday, fantastic Howard Hawks film that, oh, yeah. that got five stars from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, uh, and man, sometimes classics are classics for a reason. But uh, Casablanca finally got around to that. Nice. One. Uh, it's just a hell of a film. Nice, yeah. nice tight uh, ninety minutes too. Yeah. Uh, just amazing that they shot that during World War II, mm-hmm. um, and uh, considering what it's about. And man, just every every single note hits in that one. Yeah, I should rewatch that one. Yeah, I got to see that at the old Bloor before they uh, before oh, they closed down, and beauty. it was fantastic. All right, so moving on to my list. Um, first up is I Like Bats by directed by. Can you tell me how to pronounce this, Phil? Uh, is it a Polish name? Yeah, yeah. extra Polish. Yeah, let's we'll just say Gregory Warhol. <laughs> That's not his name. It's like, it's like Jegorz. Jegorz. But it's Polish for Gregory. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, a fantastic film included on the um, uh, Kayla Janice's House of Psychotic Women Blu-ray box set. Which, spoiler alert, our um, second series in the new year is actually going to be us going through the films on that box set of uh, from the. Uh, House of Psychotic Women Blu-ray box up. But yeah, really like that film. Really whacked out weirdo vampire movie from Poland in the 80s, and it's great. Um, moving along, uh, next up is uh, After Midnight, directed by Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella. Um, this is Jeremy Gardner's like kind of long-awaited follow-up to The Battery. Uh, it stars Jeremy Gardner himself. It's also Bria Grant and Henry Zabrowski from... Uh, Last podcast. Yeah, if you're if you're a fan of that, because everyone forgets Henry Zabrowski is like a professional actor. That's his day job. Um, he had a now. big part in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this movie uh, is from 2019. I meant to see it a long time ago, but this movie is just emotionally fantastic. Uh, not it doesn't make you happy, but it kind of devastates you a little bit. Um, it's I've described it as being 90 percent romantic drama, 10 percent horror movie, and it's great. It's about a guy who's uh, girlfriend of many years just takes up and leaves for a month or for like six weeks or something and uh, yeah, that every night since she's left a monster comes and like bangs on his door and tries to get in and he has to keep it out everyone thinks he's going crazy and uh, is it just his own psychosis is his girlfriend the monster or is there something else completely different going on 
maybe it's all of the above, or, or maybe it's not. Um, and then my next on the top list is uh, Happy Birthday to Me from 1981, which I got to see at the Review Cinema, and it was fantastic. Yeah, that's L- a really fun one. It's... Love the absolute hell out of this movie. So good. So just like... I didn't realize you were that enthusiastic about it. Yeah, it's like, well, the, the fantastic thing is that the producers behind it, they did Happy Birthday to Me and My Bloody Valentine back-to-back. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. They pulled off these two fantastic films. My Bloody Valentine is one of the greatest Canadian films of all time. Uh, it's just great. I didn't realize that Happy Birthday to Me was going to be such an insane movie. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like it's great because it's that pre-slasher boom yeah. era when, like... Every- I only associated mm-hmm. it with the, you know, the iconic poster, which I guess a lot yeah. of people do, and... And it's more Agatha Christie than it is. Oh, um, big time! And it is Friday the Thirteenth. It's easily the most unhinged plot twist and prolonged uh, plot twist I've ever seen in a slasher movie. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, next up on my incredibly unpredictable. Oh, totally. Next up on my first time watches um, is 1986's Writing Wrongs, aka Above the Law, the Cynthia Rothrock. Um, what's the other actor's name? Yoon Bio uh, film. Just an awesome. Uh, awesome uh hong kong action film from the 80s that vinegar syndrome put out a fantastic blu-ray with like every like it's got the original hong kong cut it's got the mainland china edit it's got the north american edit um just fantastic action that just like floors me to no end that sorry kit i don't think avatar 2 could ever compete with um because it's it's humans doing amazing things what are we talking about here writing wrongs the 1986 hong kong kung fu film starring cynthia rothrock oh okay it's fantastic um, so yeah, just dug the hell out of that movie. Can't praise it enough. Um, ends on a very bleak note. I don't know if that's how it ends in the other cuts, but definitely very, very bleak. Um, and then the next one on the list, which is kind of a sad one. Um, so Albert Pune passed away this year, who has been a friend of the podcast from day one, or not day one, didn't since we started talking about his movies, but, um, Sadly passed away, and he made 55 films in his lifetime. We've barely scratched the surface of them on this podcast. A lot of them are hard to find. Um, the weekend that he passed away, we actually recorded an episode that hasn't been released yet. I'm going to edit it into our proper Albert Pune Remembrance episode. Um, but the weekend that he passed away, we watched two of his films. We watched – what did we watch again? We watched Nemesis 2 and uh, Ticker. Ticker, yeah. I and, also watched, uh, for the first time, Sorcerer in the Stone. Right. Which is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, it's just good. Come on. And uh, the, the, the next day on the Sunday, there was actually an online four-film Albert Pune marathon, although it wound up being six films. Um, was this the one that Justin Day Clue hosted? It was, and it was good. It was a good mix of, like, ultra-rear and some hits. So they played Radioactive Dreams, which is fantastic. They played Mean Guns, Nemesis, of course. Um and they also played Knights, which is very hard to find, which is kind of his unofficial sequel to Cyborg, if you watch it. But they also played this film from 1995 he made called Spitfire, which is a very breezy... Everyone calls it, oh, it's Jim Cotto with a girl. It's not Jim Cotto with a girl. It's more James Bond than anything else, but it does feature a former (laughs) Olympic gymnast. um, What is her name again? Christy Phillips. Uh, And it stars her in the lead role, and it basically is the story of Lance Hendrickson's character, who is essentially James Bond. And it turns out that uh, Christy Phillips is his illegitimate daughter. And it turns out he's, he's got a whole bunch of illegitimate children in every different continent. That makes sense. So. Um, and so he, his, her mother is killed, 
and his life is put in danger, and then she has to go on this globe-trotting uh, adventure to try and track track him down, save him, get the bad guys off his back. And it also co-stars Tim Thomerson as an oh, intrepid wow, okay. reporter trying to like find out what the hell is going on. So at a certain point, they team up. It's really fun movie. Uh, it's so fun. I can't. It just oozes charisma, and it's just a shame. I think it's streaming in Tubi on the U.S., but not in Canada, which is a damn shame. But it's fantastic, and uh, it was just, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's just like it's one of those things where you realize Albert Pune made so many different films, and this is like a very easy breezy one. So yeah, so that was twenty twenty two. So guys, final thoughts on twenty twenty two, Phil. It was a good movie watching year. Yeah. Kit, what are your final thoughts on Very 20, productive. on 2022? A lot of twos in this year. Yep. A lot, a lot of numbers. Especially twos. on February the 22nd yeah. this year. Yeah, that was uh, that was the height of the twos, yeah. I two, think. Two, 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 two. Um, probably won't see that again for a couple hundred years. Until the year 3033. Or I remember, actually... I remember November 11th, 2011, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, 20, the year 22,022. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. We'll have the most twos, but this one yeah. will have the second most twos, yeah. which is a lot of twos. Mm-hmm. So kudos. Hats off. Yeah. My final thoughts on the year 2022. Man, we never got around to watching Soylent Green. Oh, yeah. Crap. <laughs> oh, well. Whatever. <laughs> um, it happened is, my, is basically like my biggest takeaway from the year 2022. I don't think there are any 2023 movies I know of. Uh... Set in 2023, there's got to be a couple. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to find them. Anyways, that was 2022. So for Death by Video... I've been Phil. <laughs> I've been Kit. And I've been Graham saying, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening to us put on our nonsense for another year. Who knows how long we'll keep this going. Forever and ever. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Keep watching amazing movies. Good night. Life is short. Filled with stuff. Don't know what for I ain't had enough I learned all I know By the age of nine But I could better myself If I could only find Some new kind of kick
If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance. And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss. From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to J-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts. 